1: Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk
0: shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. We're back to the Total Celebrity Show on the Toll Education Network. Again, totaltutor.net for more information. Twitter, Twitter, Neil S. Haley. Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley. Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Neil Haley, Google+, Neil Haley. And uh, I really enjoy interviewing NFL players, especially with foundations that are giving back to the community, uh, trying to give them a platform to talk about the great things that they're doing. So I'm excited to welcome the program. Two-time Pro Bowler from the St. Louis Rams, Davin Joseph. Davin, thanks for calling, and how are you?
2: I'm doing great. How are you guys
0: doing today? Well, we're we're doing fantastic, and uh, and uh, as I told you, I said you'll brighten my day for sure. After all the the type of weather we're dealing with right now, Davin and Pittsburgh, where we're getting snow in late April, and you said in Tampa it's not the wow. best, but so not snow, but like flurries, and we're like, whoa, what happened to the seventy-five degree weather we had last week? So it's it is what it is for sure, but yeah. We gonna...
2: I definitely thought you guys were out of the woods, man. I thought it was going to be a short winter. And then, uh, then a little surprise, a little sneak attack,
0: huh? Yeah, a definite sneak attack, Davin. And it's kind of funny, uh, for sure. Now, um, tell me specifically why you started your foundation, what, and especially with all the different uh, great things that you've done in the community as an NFL player. What is the reasoning?
2: You know, uh, number one, I feel like it's my duty, you know, as, as an NFL player that, you it's, it's my job to give back to my community. And so uh, I was blessed enough to be in a locker room with a lot of guys that gave back. I was a rookie with Michael Scott, uh, with Ed Brooks. Uh, and then later on, met um, Ward Dunn, who were all, you know, three very, very bright men and uh, that were that their own foundation for a very, very long time, also Ryan Neese, that were all, you know, in love with giving back, and so you know, it started with one event, and ended up having two events, and then you know, partnering with somebody to make it three events, and before you know it, I was like, you know, I just kind of want to go out and do it on my own. And so I uh, hooked up with a great friend of mine uh, from high school. Uh, her name is Angel Williams, and uh, we started a nonprofit, and so going into year four and soon to be in year five, and now it's really getting fun. You know, we've been through the ups and downs, um, you know, learn about the politics of the game, of course, the nonprofit game.
0: Yes, definitely.
2: Uh, learn about, um, you know, the great work that's out there, the challenges the still to be met. And so, you know, I, I love to fight. I love the challenge. And so uh, one thing about an athlete is, you know, you tell, you tell a guy that you can't do something and he'll do everything he can to prove you wrong. And so... I feel like I'm bringing that same fight to the to the nonprofit game.
0: Well, it definitely seems like you are, and, and you saw from the opportunities of helping out in the community with a lot of people that were doing great with the Tampa Bay Bucks community and seeing how great it was giving back that you said, i got to do this myself. So tell me the premise of your foundation.
2: Uh, you know, what we started about well, was trying to help the youth, you know, um, giving back to the kids in the inner city, I'm uh, trying to give them opportunities to be successful, um, giving them the basics. And uh, within doing that, you know, basically my cause chose me, and which uh, we're fighting childhood hunger. And it, it seems like um, something that we shouldn't be fighting, especially in 2015 in, in America, but uh, we really are. So uh, I found out that I'm, I'm really serving a lot of kids on free and reduced lunch, and they fight every day. Um, because they don't they're not guaranteed meals That's so, unbelievable, yeah it's, yeah it's kind of unbelievable really but it's uh it's our reality and so we' started off with a feeding program in which uh we were feeding uh football players uh men's and women's basketball players uh soccer and uh track and field participants at local high schools, and so it started off as a feeding program and it kind of just gives back and it's kind of encourage kids And now that it's a real need. And so uh, we're looking to expand. We're looking to expand and, and really excited about the, the challenge and opportunity to do so.
0: Now, D- Davin, tell me specifically, like, when you finally got involved in this foundation and you came up with your idea, what you wanted to combat again, ch- children's uh, hunger, What were you surprised to know that some of these kids are not getting meals every day? Were you, was that a surprise to you, that, or did you have an idea about that happening in this country?
2: I had, a, I had a general idea about it, but I didn't know that it was getting worse. You know, so it's kind of a thing you hear about free and reduced lunch kids, and so you automatically think, oh, well, they're eating at school, right? Well, you know, what about the days they're not at school? What about the summertime? You know, what about after school? You know, these kids are, you know, are not eating, and it's a real hazard to their health. And so, with a lot of student-athletes, one thing that I found out was that uh, really they can't participate in sports because they can't eat. Oh, man. So, it, it, you know, so it, was, it was just kind of one of those things where we kind of set it out as an incentive. It was saying that if you're going to be an athlete, you're going to be fed. And so, now we're seeing that it's even more. So, we need pre-practice snacks for these uh, kids to eat you know, before practice and after practice. You know, trying to provide them with with backpacks uh for the weekends and things of that sort and also trying to develop you know a summertime program in which that uh, we can actually have you know reliable access to these kids um during the week to give them meals to eat. and so it started off as kind of a you know kind of a request and, and now you really find out the need well I found out the need
0: well, and, and you're surprised by that need for sure. You say to yourself, wow, I never thought it was that much and how I'm really benefiting because, as you talked about, football players, if they don't have fuel for their bodies, they're not going to be able to perform on the field. And so you're going to see a lot of kids yeah. that are going to get hurt in games and also just not uh, have the energy to, to uh, be able to play sports for sure.
2: Exactly. And so, we, you know, we see – Kind of how seven on sevens and camps and other stuff is just popping up all over the place, and uh, we just don't want to forget about the fundamentals. We don't want to forget about the basics of, you know, having fuel, you know, before you go out and perform. And you, know, you want to give these kids the best opportunities, and so eating is part of it. You know, eating eating breakfast in the morning, you know, has a direct relationship with how kids perform in school academically, and I think it's the same thing with with uh, athletics. Um, reliable meals, good nutritious meals before they play is going to have a direct relation with how they perform on the field and stuff. So we want to see these kids succeed. We want to see them go on in life and, and be inspired and hopefully inspire their community to do well. Um, I'm going to look at them some food.
0: Uh, When you talk about nutritious as well, sometimes they're eating, but they're not eating the right things, and it leads to obesity for some, and then others, it's a process where you know they're just not fueling their body, so lots of health problems can occur later on in life. So if you can teach them to eat nutritious meals, they're more and more going to see that importance throughout their lives, because they'll feel how they feel, not feel tired in school, they'll be able to answer more questions in school, they'll be happier to be... uh, there all day and have the energy to perform in the classroom and also on the field.
2: Oh, of course, of course, you hit it right on the you hit it right in head with that one. And, and uh, really, you see us as a nation, you know, getting more aware of the importance of the quality of food that we eat, and, uh, and it's it's great, it's, it's empowering, and so we want to make sure that our you know that our youth are learning uh, the importance of nutritious meals and you know what's real food and cook food and how to prepare food. And so um, it's great to see it coming from, you know, different perspectives, different avenues where kids are getting that exposure uh, on TV, you know, in print, radio, whatever the case may be, and also, you know, face-to-face interactions within school uh, and within their own neighborhood. And so uh, it's good to see that, you know, as a nation, we're really taking this seriously.
0: Well, I believe it because, again, if we're people will stop having to go to the doctors so frequently when they're older and different things. If they are healthy, if they eat the right foods and are, um, and exercise, all those things are so important in, in development. Now, Davin, uh, what events do you do throughout the year? Are there any new um, new events coming up soon for your foundation? Tell us what specifically that kind of schedule every year, what you do. Yeah
2: we're we're really excited. We're we're working. We're in the work of partnering with uh, D1. Hopefully, fingers crossed, everything goes right, and providing some free physicals for kids um, within Hillsborough County, which is in Tampa, and also in South Florida and Broward, Dade County, um, with the partnership through um, the City of Palmetto. Hopefully, fingers crossed again um, to provide free physicals, and, and that's you know in a relation of the health spectrum of kids of course, getting physicals to be able to participate in sports but also getting physicals uh, so they, that they know uh, what's going on within their own bodies and also learning about what's going on and what's important for them as they grow and mature. And uh we want to get parents involved, of course, um, and getting coaches involved to, of course, bring out kids and whatnot. But it's mainly for awareness. It's an educational piece also. Hopefully going to have a little health care. Uh, coming up. So, we haven't lot to, any dates yet, but that's something that I'm really excited about uh, coming this summer. Uh, other than that, you know, it's the same old same Dad and team stuff. You know, we have pre-game news coming up this year uh, with football, so we're excited about that. Um, we're looking into how we can make it better, how can we expand the program. Um, and then, you know, we want to do a little something around Thanksgiving, we want to do a little something around uh, Christmas coming this year. But so, and of course, partner with other people in the community. So, we're just we're just looking to work.
0: Well, it seems like Davin. Once you retire from football, you really have something that with Davin's dream team and to really give back that you're excited about for sure. That you are already learning so much with the non for profit. That life after football, you're re- you're going to be ready and prepared for it for sure.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, and that's the goal. You know, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. and There's no doubt about that. Uh football, of course, it you know, has been a blessing, and I love it. You know, and I will you know, always be a fan of it, even, you know, after I retire. But, uh, you know, this is really what I love to do, and really, at the end of the day, this is who I am.
0: Well, it definitely seems like it, it's who you are, and all the different accolades that you've received on the field and off the field, especially with the community, it just must—it's very humbling, I'm sure, Davin, with the amount of awards from the Ed Block Courage Award to different uh, awards that you've received for helping and being a, a great role model for kids. Uh, I believe in uh, in the NFL. It's a great. It's great to look at seeing what you're able to do for sure. Yeah, it's
2: more. It's not really about me about the work that my team has done, and so of course I get all the credit you know, but these the people that I work with the people that i partner partnered with in the past really makes you know make everything possible the other people that really are up late or up early in the morning, maybe up all night yeah. you know, work to make happen and so uh, I've been blessed to have people that care just as much as I do, and they work just as hard as I do maybe even harder some days uh to uh, to make all these things happen, and so it's really about winning these awards to show that you know, where I live, that people are doing great things.
0: Well, d- definitely, Davin, and 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 you talk about your team and how important your team is for the success of your foundation. And you look about, you look at things right. in so many ways. It's right like running a, a a corporation in so many ways that you need to have more than just yourself. To have success and meet to, to get the donations that are needed, and also provide meals for kids, and now with the healthcare piece, all very, very important things, and trying to expand. You look to probably do it in the St. Louis community as well. Is that another goal of yours now? Playing with the Rams?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, and I, I think you know my main focus right now is is within Tampa, but of course I'm trying to you know put some in programs in other markets in conjunction with um, other players, and, and really. Um, there's some guys in St. Louis that do outstanding work. So I'm talking about outstanding work that, you know, they don't get the real credit. And so I'm just there not to, you know, reinvent the wheel, but it's more of just supporting what they do. And so, you know, the Adventure Ring Team is, is, is not a selfish organization. You know, we, we partner and you know, we work with other organizations to help people. That's, that's what we do at the end of the day. And so, I'm not looking to roll out anything new in the St. Louis community, but it's more about helping guys to have things established. Oh, and work. All making improvements in their own community. And so um, I'm all about that.
0: Well, Davin, that's fantastic because, again, what you've been able to do and helping the your uh, your community and also St. Louis community with the different foundations, organizations that are doing great things there. Where's the best place we can find information on you, Davin, so that people can uh, check out your uh, the foundation, learn more about you and all that? Where's the best place to go? I think the
2: best thing right now is probably to follow, follow the foundation at Davin's Dream Team, uh, at Davin String Team or even go on the website, uh, david and, uh, you know, tons of information on there, um, ways to get in contact uh, with me. My my Twitter handle is davidjoseph75, and, um, you know, love sharing ideas. You know, love sharing ideas. So tweet me, uh, DM me, whatever the case may be, and, and let's, let's connect.
0: Well, definitely for sure, and good luck next season. I know you're encouraged by uh, uh, the, the growth of St. Louis uh, with some of the wins last year, and I think that your team's developing into something really special next year, I think, for sure, with the, the how competitive oh, the, the, you were. The, the Rams, uh, yeah.
2: they, are, they are on their way <laughs> to doing some, some special things, and so uh, I'm excited.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, good luck next season, and uh, thanks for calling, Davin. You're doing tremendous things.
2: Thank you very much. I
0: appreciate the time. All right, take care. See you later. Okay, bye bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back, the Total Celebrity Show on the Total Education Network. Again, tolltutor.net for more information. Uh, Twitter, Totaltutor Tutor, Neil S. Haley. Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley. Instagram, Totaltutor. Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google Plus, Neil Haley. And uh, the celebrities keep rolling on, and it's so interesting uh, to talk to specific ones, especially the variety. And now we have a recording artist, so I'm so excited to welcome the program former Pussycat doll, recording artist, Jessica Sutta. Jessica, thanks for calling, and I'm, I'm glad that you came on the Total Celebrity Show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. And uh, Jessica, I'm sure when you look back at your career, you're like, wow, I never expected all this. Am I right? The, the, the notoriety and, the ex- and all the experiences you've had in your life.
3: Absolutely. I mean, it exceeded all my expectations, all my dreams. Like it, it was crazy what happened with my career in the beginning until now, and yeah, it's amazing. It definitely makes you realize that dreams do come true, though.
0: And your and your dreams definitely did come true. So, when you first started out as a child, did you want to be a performer? Did you want to perform when you were young? Oh
3: my God! Since yeah. the, I came out of my mother's room, I think <laughs> I think I just out of it. You know, I. I remember at the age of three. I did my first recital, and I was in a too But the light shining in my eyes, and I just loved it. I loved everything about it.
0: And and it just it's something that was you, and probably in the classroom as well. You probably were entertaining as, as well and participating in class, right in school, Marco? Yeah, you couldn't
3: get me to shut up. <laughs> I love performing, and I love making people feel good. And um, I just I just have so much love with it, and connecting with people in the audience on stage. I don't know. I think it's an
0: amazing, amazing gift to have to be able to be on stage. Oh, and and definitely, for sure. So from that process, when did you decide, like, kind of tell us that career when you said, okay, this is what I want to do. Uh, Did did you uh, go on to college or did you uh, from there go on to to, uh, your your dreams? Tell us specifically what happened there. Yeah.
3: I'll tell you the story. So I started um, doing music videos and commercials in Miami at age fourteen. My first commercial uh, my first music video was with, with uh, Will Smith, Welcome to Miami. Oh, that's one of my favorite, the, favorite
0: favorite videos. Yeah, cool. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was a pretty rolling shoot and um it was sixteen. I had to actually go to school the next day, so I stayed up all the night doing the video and went to class, which is like across the bay. So works are good for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I uh, I danced on uh, my own when I graduated high school, and then I started. I did this uh, soap opera called Ocean Avenue, where Megan Fox played my sister. And it was an amazing project. I saved all my money and I just moved myself to LA. I came out here to act, and I actually started dancing again. And my first job was the Pussycat Dolls. And um, I fell in love with the choreographer, Robin she She's like, cut your things. I want you to be in this group. So, you know, it's called the Pussycat Dolls. And it just done. Um, snacks and I'm like oh it's such a cool concept so yeah I came to the audition and there was 300 girls and there was 20 girls that were picked from that and then a year after that it went down to six and then that's the top group that you know so pretty amazing journey with the Pussycat Dolls.
0: Well it definitely seems like it was an amazing journey and from that gathering from that group and seeing how they were creating that group and stuff like that and you had to audition in that process mm-hmm. and your roles were small you know and different things you were doing how did, did you expect to make it did you think it was something that was going to happen
3: I thought I was going to be acting I thought I was going to be on another soap opera you know I was kind of acting on my part <laughs> that type of career I never in my wildest dreams thought I would travel the world and dance And sing, and I was a singer. I, I was a singer, but I developed so much in the Pussycat Dolls. I didn't think that was going to be my career route, you know. And uh, I just absolutely fell in love with the art of singing. So when I left the Pussycat Dolls, that's where the passion came in with my singing, and I started developing my voice. And yeah, now I feel like I'm in a whole different place. And I love singing. It's like you're able to tell your truth through your voice, and it's such an amazing experience.
0: So let's back us up with the experience with the Pussycat Dolls meaning specifically you just had you learned to perform a lot from that right from experiences of traveling oh all over the world what types of mentoring did you get from that opportunity you know you know you're picked from 300 or you saw tons of people auditioning and you get that opportunity and you're on that stage in front of Tons Mm -hmm. of people and the the training that you had to go through. Tell us a little bit about that. Because a lot of people think, you know, once I make it or I'm close to making it, then basically (laughs) I I just live on my talent, right? It's not, I don't need to improve (laughs) anymore. And that's not the case at all, is it?
3: No, no, that's not the case at all. You have to be working every single day because there's someone young and hungry moving out here from Midwest America to take their job. You know, you always have to keep on reinventing yourself. You know, I feel like I've been preparing for my career my whole life since I was three. So when I started with this catchball, the label didn't really know what was gonna happen and then we got Doncha, and it was like an overnight success for us, especially in Europe. My life completely changed and it was like go and it was six AM living in a station to performance to television show, to get on a plane to go to another city and that happened for about a year nonstop. And it just absolutely trained me into, like, being so focused and staying on my A-game when it came to being on stage. No matter how you felt, no matter if you were injured, I mean, it was, like, military. <laughs> See, and I'm so grateful for that training because it definitely made me very centered now on the solo artist, you know.
0: Well, absolutely, because you're, you know, from going in a certain situation where you weren't the spotlight when you were working with the Miami Heat, you know, you were kind of the spotlight, but not to the point that you were the main show. And then you're a superstar in Europe. And you got to tell us about Uh, the fans in Europe. How crazy was it? It
3: was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy, like, for them to be screaming your name. It's like your are brand fresh new into this whole fame world. And you know, people are sleeping outside their hotel room, and they have signs, and like you're actually changing their life for doing something that you love to do. So it is so touching and an amazing thing to have fans. So, I mean, in the I, I mean, okay, that's basically who made the 50 cat balls. I think that's what gave us the strength to really push and conquer the world, because um, there are amazing fans there.
0: Interesting, and, and 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 that's the thing that people forget is that if you don't make it in the United States at first. You make it in Europe, you're right. going to be set. Or in any of these countries, because guess what? They're yeah. just like the U.S. They're hungry for music, they love music, and they They're... find their favorite artists, and then, wow. And yeah. I think when you would go and yeah. get ushered into different interviews or different meetings and you you go to a, you know, to a a radio station to promote the event that night, you're like, wow, this is just amazing. And did you kind of take everything in, Jessica? Did you try to kind of like take everything in and really study and understand this? Because you knew at one point in time it would continue in your career and you have to prepare for this because at one point you might be a solo artist. If you study group bands... And, 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 and bands and, and groups, they do split up at times. They do kind of go on their own careers. Did you research and understand the history of music in a lot of ways? That's an interesting thing, especially going to Europe and stuff and ha- being Absolutely. a sensation, yeah. Right,
3: yeah. I mean, I definitely was preparing for everything. I mean, it's a dream of mine to be a solo artist. And I knew going into Pacific All, Nicole was a lead singer. I learned a lot from her. I learned a lot from all the girls. It was kind of like boot camp for me, you know, and I took all the experiences and it made me into a really strong person and a strong artist. So, yeah, I I think it was it was incredible. It definitely learned everything for that, for for my soul career now.
0: So educate me. Did the Pussycat Dolls in your career with them ever really make it as big in the U.S.? Because, again, this is me, Mr. Non-Pop Culture in some areas, especially in music. <laughs> because, I mean, I am I know you guys are a household name, Pussycat Dolls. Trust me, I yeah. do know that. But when uh, the time that left? you were a success, I think I was still, I, I got to think of the years. I think I was pretty much uh, finishing up my pro wrestling career and uh, was pretty much not oh, cool. always into specific things. I was in the minor leagues of pro wrestling, but still wrestled. Uh, wrestled in the wWF a couple times so but really when, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I understand the whole entertainment thing but not to this extreme right. but in the u.s did you think that the people who created them thought they maybe would have been more of a success in the u.s what is your thoughts on that jessica um
3: I think it was what it was supposed to be everywhere around the world I mean I think maybe if we fit together it probably would have been bigger in the us but who knows I mean that's... we'll never know you know but we did make a stand here. Um, the music is still, you know, people still love it, and, and it, it's great memories for people. So that's all that really matters to me.
0: So you took a leap of faith to go on your own, especially when you yeah. said you still needed to have some more training to be a, 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 a vocal artist. Meaning, meaning mm-hmm. to be able to do and do your own thing. So once mm-hmm. you were ready to make that step, did you do? Did you uh, have a team that really wanted to help you in this process to, to make this transition?
3: Absolutely. I think that your team is the most important, I feel like, in the business. You're only as good as your team, as Rihanna says, that she won an award last year, you know, and that's so true. Um, yeah, I had an amazing support team, and I had an amazing vocal teacher um, that I saw almost every day, and put well, tons of money towards it, but it was worth every penny because, you know, as an artist, singing was very vulnerable, Especially when you come from a family where your father tells you you can't sing. So I had that battle going into it, you know, but I, I overcame it and I proved him wrong. And here I am, you know? So for
0: me, I, I like I like to be underestimated and prove people wrong a lot. <laughs> now, it gives me fire, you know? But it seemed like you to get professionally trained as a singer. It was a longer process later in your career. You were trained at times, yeah. but not to this point. So always, my daughter shows that talent. I have five kids, but my oldest really is a great singer. And I want to get her voice lessons and get her, she's in the choir and already in fourth grade and able to uh, be the cantor. Really, uh, the, the, big, booming voice for such a small girl. What would you? What would your advice be for her? And 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 what to do? Because I see some tremendous talent. I'm very good at judging talent. Just I guess because of being a, and a performer myself. What do you? What are your? What are you? What are your? What is your take? Because it seemed like you were a late bloomer, but it didn't matter because of all of the experiences you got in other things to help you perform. What would be your recommendation for her? I, I'm sorry, I'm putting you Omer. on the spot. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like that, that the new generation is so talented. It's unbelievable, um, and, and there's so much access to the Internet to learn and grow. My advice to her would be learn every single day and grow every single day and don't get discouraged and don't give up and don't don't listen to anyone's bad, you know, advice. Always take it as constructive criticism and apply it to your, your career and to your life and to your art that's what makes you stronger and that's what makes you better. Like I wouldn't be here today if my damn teachers were all nice to me, you know, right. they, they were me. But I needed that training This it's not personal. It's about they wanted me to be the best I could be. And thank God they did that because it probably wouldn't be in the capital council the be where I'm at right now if it works for them. You know? So I think it's just about not giving up and having the right to around here.
0: That's so true. Okay, so once you, you're recording uh your single career started, tell us specifically uh what what was your favorite highlight so far of it? What would you say? Now being well, on first, your own. Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I was doing um during the first episode, I was developing as an artist with DJs and I was I speaker on um a call that called a song called White So I did a ton of like uh ultra and, and um festivals and you know, I was I was traveling and doing that. So I developed my voice during that. But one of the highlights in my solo was when I got my number one uh, for show me, um, when I was on the Hollywood Records and I pulled over on on Hollywood Boulevard because my AR called me, said I have great news, you know, you were number one. And it was just such a, a pinnacle moment in my life as I can. it was a very hard decision to leave the Pussycat Dolls. but at that moment I knew, you know what, I know I'm on the right track. You know, I know this is meant to be, and I know I can do it. So that was a tentacle for me.
0: Well, definitely, to be number one, and to to be in the U.S. number one. So, wow, I'm sure your life even changed more, how people recognized you in the United States and all this stuff. It must have been wild, right? So real with your fans.
3: It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, it's it's great when I do shows in the United States. Like, I want to make my mark in the United States. That's my ultimate goal. (laughs) And it's very difficult, but. That's, that's my ultimate plan right now, you know.
0: And and you see, but you see that the way music's changed, it's not just the U.S. anymore. It's the entire world. No. Well, yeah, it's global. Yeah,
3: you have the internet. You have the accessibility to be around everywhere. I mean, my fans are in Brazil, they're in China, they're in Europe, they're everywhere, you know. And I, I talk to them all the time. And I mean, the internet is absolutely changing the music industry in so many ways. But it's so good for the artists to connect with everybody.
0: Right. And that global aspect of knowing you're going to be traveling a lot of places to go to con- to do concerts, right? Not yeah, I did a show in
3: Russia, like, it's a little town called Chibibibank. And this was maybe like, you know, it was a very small town, and it took us two plane rides to get there, 19 hour ride, and all this. But it was so worth it because when I got there, it was, you know, the fans really appreciated it, and they enjoyed themselves in the show, you know? So I liked it. I like being able to travel around the world.
0: So tell us your latest projects. What's going on with you right now, Jessica? For our, for your fans so, to check out, and also people that maybe not heard your music.
3: Absolutely. Well, I just um, I have a new release coming out on May 16th on my birthday. All right. <laughs> my new song called Yeah. It, my new song called Let It Be Love, featuring Rico Love, and um, we're shooting a video for it in the next couple weeks. So. Um, I'm very excited about that, and we're finishing up my album called Feeling Resurrection, which should be out in September. Um, I'm really excited because it's a side of me that no one's ever seen, and um, I was really able to grow and heal and love in in, in the process of making this album. So I'm really excited for people to hear it.
0: Well, it definitely sounds like you're excited and you're ready to roll. It's like wow, what what? It's so real uh, type of opportunities. And what is you think is your ultimate goal? Are are you doing any acting anymore? Or are you just really sticking just to the recording? <laughs> oh, my God. I want like to
3: people through by my acting. My acting is terrible, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I am a performer, though I could say that. You know, I my the overall through line in my music is love. That's the whole thing with my album, and and my whole purpose, I feel like, someone asked me, like, why do you do this? And the truth is, is to to spread love and to make people feel good and to heal, you know, a a big part of, like, my platform as as a solo artist is equality for all human beings, you know, equality for marriage. So, you know, for me, I feel like being of service in this this business is the most important, but for me, that's what I want to do. But that's, that's my
0: goal. All right. Well fantastic. Where's the best place we can find information on you, Jessica? Uh, learn more about you, listen to your music and, and check out all what's the best place to go. Well
3: we got we got SoundCloud, we got Facebook and Twitter and everything. For Twitter it's I am Jessica Cassetta. For Facebook it's Jessica Seta. SoundCloud is Jessica Seta as well. And Instagram. I mean it's all over the place. <laughs> um you can definitely keep in touch with me on all my socials.
0: Well, definitely for sure, Jessica, best of luck with everything. And, and again, your story really encourages a, a lot of people to not give up and, 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 and keep yeah, going. Don't give, up. And don't give up and keep going. And you're going to continue to go up the, the ladder for sure in different ways because you're definitely uh, have have had success and you'll continue to have success in your career. And I, I see you the kind of person who wants to performed for a long time. I can tell. I can see you as one that's saying, "I want to do this because I love the stage. I love performing, love and, it. and and want to continue to do it." And that's that's fantastic. So thanks again for calling.
3: Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All <laughs> right, take
0: care, Jessica. Thanks for calling. Talk to you soon. Okay, no bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. I'm just excited as can be about the great uh, guests when I get to tape for two hours and every week, the Neil Haley Show. And starting out, uh, I have a really interesting guest. I always want to thank Triumph Books. They're the best sports books out there. And I learned so much about uh, different authors, but I want to welcome the program author, Bob Duff, he's the author of 100 Things the Red Wings Should Do, Know and Do Before They Die. Uh, Bob, thanks for calling, and and I'm always interested in having a conversation with sports authors, but thanks again for calling, Bob.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure.
0: Uh, I tell you, let's start off with basically uh, one thing to, to mention in this book now, The Red Wings and the Penguins, I'm sure that maybe didn't make it into the 100 things was the Penguins' big win against the Red Wings. I had to bring that up for our Pittsburgh fans, did it?
1: No, I don't think that made it on the list. Uh, (laughs) Watching the Wings lose the Stanley Cup isn't one of the 100 things that I think a Red Wings fan wants to do. But there is one uh, unique little item with a Pittsburgh connection. Uh, For years, uh, Paul McCartney on his acoustic guitar had a Red Wings logo. And uh, the reason that happened was he played Olympia Stadium when he was in the band Wings, and uh, Olympia Stadium Usher gave him a Red Wings logo at the end of the concert, and he affixed it to his guitar. Well, many years later, it just happened that Paul was one of the first acts, I believe maybe even the first act, to play a concert at the Console Energy Center. And when uh, the Pittsburgh people saw that Red Wings logo on his acoustic guitar, they gave him a Penguins logo. So now the two of them sit side by side on his guitar.
0: Interesting. Very, very interesting. And we all know the success that the Red Wings have had in years. But what about the history of the Red Wings? I'm sure there's something in the 100 Things about specifically how uh, this franchise got started, for sure.
1: Well, what's fascinating about them is they were granted a franchise when they didn't have an arena. Uh, they had guaranteed that Olympia Stadium would be built, but as it turned out, they were a year behind schedule. So, the 1926-27 season, the team was then known as the Detroit Cougars because what had happened was there was a major pro league in Western Canada, and the team called the Victoria Cougars in that league. Well, to to fill out their roster that first season, the owners of the Detroit franchise simply bought the majority of the Cougars roster and decided to keep the name, so that's why they started out as the Cougars. They figured with the Lions, with the Tigers already in town, and then eventually the Lions would come along. That whole cat scene was something that seemed to fit Detroit. Mm -hmm. But anyway, since they didn't have an arena, there was no other uh, arena in the Detroit area that they could use. And they actually had to practice outdoors on occasion that first season, because the only ice available in the Michigan area was outdoor rinks. So they ended up playing their entire home schedule that first season across the border in Canada, in Windsor, Ontario, at the Windsor Arena, which still stands in downtown. And uh, so they are the only North American major professional franchise to ever play its entire home schedule in a foreign country.
0: Oh my! Wow. Now, uh, what would you? Who would you think was the best ever Red Wing? In your opinion, what would well,
1: you say? I think you have to go with Gordie Howe. I mean, the man could do everything. If he needed a goal, he'd score a goal. If he needed a playmaker, he could do that. If somebody needed to be straightened out, uh, he could take care of that. And in a pinch, and he did many times, played defense for the Red Wings. I just... A dominant all-around player and the best player in the NHL for almost all his career. And the guy played 26 years in the NHL. And people always ask me what I think Gordie Howe's greatest feat was. And I think, to me... It was when he came back with the Hartford Whalers in the NHL in the 79-80 season and scored 16 goals at the age of 52. And you That's think amazing. about this season, how many guys in their prime are not going to get 16 goals. I mean, that just shows you what an incredible genetic specimen, Gordie, Howe it was.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, one of the things I wanted to discuss today, and it's kind of funny. I mean, I'm not going to say I have a huge knowledge of the Red Wings. I guess because our rivals are always the Flyers and the Rangers and different things. But well, all we can remember, you know, is that Stanley Cup. But uh, the, the whole Russian invasion, and, and, and there was a 30-to-30 30 30 special on ESPN that really got into, involved at the end of the with Fatisov and things like that. Now, tell me specifically how this uh, Russian group together won a cup and stuff. That was pretty amazing, some of the talent, right?
1: It was and it kinda of went against the grain of the NHL at that time in the you know, early to mid nineties was the era of they, they call it the dead puck era when everyone was playing the trap and trying to win games two to one and one to nothing and uh, Scotty Bowman, probably the greatest coach in the history of hockey, oh, yeah. was in charge of the Red Wings then and he decided, No, we're not gonna play that way. We're gonna play up tempo, we're gonna play puck possession and we're gonna attack. And he put together this Russian unit, you know, there was they had Got Sergei Fedorov in the draft and smuggled him out of the Goodwill Games in Seattle in 1990 to get him to Detroit. That's he was wild. the first. He was the first one, and then the next year, they, you know, when the walls started coming down and the, behind the Iron Curtain, they were able to get Vladimir Konstantinov, and then Yachislev yeah, Kozlov out. And then he finished out the unit by probably bringing over the two greatest Russian players of that era and picking up Igor Larionov from San Jose, and then. Tisov from uh, New Jersey, yeah. and he played them as a Russian unit and played them, you know, they played that Russian system of puck possession, and they were a dominant group. I mean, if it, you had Eizerman and Shanahan on one line playing that old North American, you know, North yeah. and South style and banging people around, and then you'd, you'd send out these tremendous skill players, and, you know,
0: right. if
1: you're a coach trying to defend that, I mean, yeah. uh, you, you basically have to come up with two different systems to stop the same team
0: you're not going to be able to do that. And and uh, and, and I think that it go, went against the grain in so many ways because you still have this group of people believe in the, you know, bang-it-out style of hockey that's not, you know, uh, finesse, lots of goal scores, and that's what made Detroit exciting And with that team is they could score a lot of goals and were exciting, and then the offense was important. You, you know, you watch these close games that... You don't see a lot of goal scorers, but they wanted to really bring that European style, right? It sounds like Scotty did.
1: And, and one of the things the players told me that they loved about Fatisov, I mean, this was a guy who was 40 years old at the time, and uh, he would, uh, you know, in that era, the defensemen were basically trained, get it off the glass and get it out of the zone and you know, make the puck battle in the neutral zone. Well, Fatisov was old school, and his theory was make a pass, you know, a tape-to-tape pass. And he would take the hit to make that play. And the forwards appreciated him so much for that because the game at that time, you know, the forwards were the ones taking the beating because, yeah. as I say, the puck was shot into the neutral zone and then the fight was on. And so by him making a take to tape pass, they were moving their feet and they had the, the defense backpedaling. So it was not only took the battle out of the neutral zone, it forced the defensive team to backpedal and not uh, play the trap.
0: Exactly. And uh, one of the things you met in in the uh, 100 things is why Chelios is the greatest-born American player. You made that case. Tell us about that, Chris Chelios.
1: Mm -hmm. If you ask any American player of the last 20, 25 years, they all bow in reverence to Chelios. He's the king as far as they're concerned. And uh, I think as much as it's about talent, it's about leadership. And Chelios has similar qualities to Gordie Howe. He was able to excel in the nhl for over two decades and you know just yeah. was a dominant player and you know a guy who was probably if not the most hated uh visiting player in detroit when he was a blackhawks only really in the top two and when he came here it was kind of like uh i don't know it would be like uh I'm trying to think of like claude lemieux almost coming to the red wings i mean this guy was just was reviled in detroit and uh he admitted that uh, it's funny, he, he, he wrote a book himself and he was telling me he was doing a book signing and he said so many people come up to me and tell me how much they hated him. And he said, "Oh, well, that's okay, I, I hated you guys just as much.
0: Well, again, we're talking to Bob Death, author of 100 Things the Red Wings Should uh, Know and Do Before They Die. And uh, I think that when you were asked to be part of this book, it was pretty cool because you think about specifically coming up with 100 things with this storied franchise that's the Red Wings. That was must have been fun kind of working with your co-author to come up with those 100 things, wasn't it?
1: And there's so many unique things with the Detroit franchise that have never happened to other teams. They had a player their first season by the name of Jim Riley, who I'm sure 99% of the hockey fans have never heard of. Well, yeah. Jim Riley was the only, and remains, of course, the only player to play in the NHL and also play Major League Baseball. Oh,
0: really? really? And,
1: and he played for the Washington Senators and St. Louis Browns and also played uh, in the NHL with the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. So he's the only guy that's ever done that, you know? Another thing I found that was kind of fun was uh, Tom Maddie. You'll probably remember the old Baltimore Colts running back.
0: Yeah, I've that. interviewed him. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, his uh, dad actually played for Detroit in the 29-30 season. And I, I called Tom and asked him about it, and uh, Tom actually had some memories of his dad at the end of his career. He played mostly in the minor leagues, and Tom told me that hockey was the sport he would have loved to have played, but it just growing up where in Ohio, it just wasn't a big sport then. And he ended up gravitating to football, but he actually played a lot of hockey. He's, his mom was Canadian and uh, there was that real, uh, you know, hockey roots in his bloodstream. He played, told me he played some club hockey at Ohio state. And then when he was with the Colts, there was actually, he used to skate with the the Baltimore Clippers, the old AHL team. Oh my. And there, there was a plan afoot to have him suit up for a game because, Clippers were thinking, dude, if we put a Colt in the lineup, we'll pack this place. And when uh, Carol Rosenblum, who was the owner of the Colts at the time, got wind of it, he said, absolutely not.
0: Interesting, uh, for sure. What would you say would be your favorite of the 100 things that kind of you discovered through research and stuff like that?
1: Oh, probably, again, one that a lot of people don't know about. I mean, fascinating. It was like a real-life version of the Longest Yard in 1953-54 season the Red Wings traveled to Marquette State Prison and played a game against the convicts. <laughs>
0: wow. and,
1: Mar- and Marquette State Prison is not uh, white-collar crime. We're talking about murderers, armed robbers. Yeah, These yeah, are hard core yeah. criminals, you know, and to, to do that, and it was kind of a fluky thing. They were... They used to do uh, barnstorming tours through northern Michigan and that in the the summer to promote the team, and Jack Adams and Ted Lindsay were in Marquette, and uh, this fella came up to them who was the warden at the prison and told them about this great athletic program they had and how they had this wonderful outdoor rink Mm -hmm. in the yard, and they had a a prison league and uh, they were really proud of how they were rehabilitating these guys through sports and he said, you know, it would be wonderful if you guys came and played a game and Adam's thinking there was no way this would ever happen said, Okay, here's what you need to do. He said, You gotta pay our way there, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta guarantee this and he gave him all these outrageous demands thinking he'd never hear from the guy again and sure enough, a couple months later, yeah, it's all set. Adam's said no I'm a man of my word, we gotta go.
0: That's fantastic. So the, yeah.
1: And they would go on to win the Stanley Cup that year. So, I mean, wow. you're, you're yeah. set the Stanley Cup champions into a prison to play against that, hardcore criminals.
0: That's cool. And again, the 100 things the Red Wings should know and do before the die. You can find information at Triumph Books and also other places. Bob, do you have any place for to, to find information on you or you, you can go?
1: Oh, or- I have my own uh, blog, uh, Duffer's Dabbles, on the Windsor Star website. That's got a bio of me. You can follow me on Twitter at S. Duffer.
0: All right. Well, fantastic, Bob. I enjoyed uh, the discussion. You learned, learned something new about the Red Wings, but you liked how I able was able to throw in that penguin dig at the beginning of the interview. But I really learned a lot, and best of luck to you, and uh, best success on the book. So thanks again for calling, Bob.
1: Oh, You're always welcome.
0: Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. okay, bye-bye. You're watching the Neil Haley Show Author's Corner segment, and when we get back, another exciting guest. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Total Celebrity Show on the Toll Education Network. Again, TollTutor.net for more information. Twitter, TollTutor. Neil S. Haley. Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley. Uh, Instagram, TollTutor. Pinterest, Neil Haley. And Google Plus, Neil Haley. And it's always interesting, all the different uh, celebrity guests we have in the program and anyone, it's it's interesting to talk about something with parenting, but she has a lot of cool projects. I'm excited to welcome to the program, Marissa Silver, from uh, Bravo's Extreme Guide to Parent Parenting. Uh, Marissa, thanks for calling. And Marissa, how are you? And uh, life has has certainly changed after doing that show hasn't it
4: yes thank you so much for having me on life has been incredible before and it's incredible after the show thank you
0: (laughs) and and so from that point on you have so many other ventures uh through that process but also i understand your son that was on the show with you as an actor isn't he
4: Yes, my son's been acting for three years, and the show definitely opened up a lot of doors. I think the day after the show, we had so many agents and managers calling us. I didn't even know where to start. We changed his manager. We changed his agent, and he's doing film festivals, and he's doing movies, and he's doing print work. He's going to be six and a half, and he actually loves the field. He loves it so much.
0: Interesting. So getting the opportunity for to see him and uh, put that on his, uh, I guess, his uh, calling card. I was on this show. People then get to say, "Okay, this is he's interesting, entertaining, more opportunities for him. And that's very, very good. And and the same thing has happened to you as well after the show. Right. You said doors were opening up before, but tell us specifically what you're doing.
4: Well, for me, um, as you know, I'm a chiropractor, and I'm a wellness coach, and I do yoga, I do Pilates, I own a really big health club in Long Island, and I think I was unaware of all the local soap opera and the celebrities that live in Long Island. They all reached out to me very privately, a lot of them had their PR people call me, and... Because I own a gym and I've been personal training for over 20 years, I overnight became the personal trainer for a lot of these local celebrities who have to get in shape for movies or TVs or for roles or for concerts and tours, and they've all turned to me to be their local trainer, so overnight my whole branding has changed it's been absolutely fantastic for me
0: well yeah anytime you get these opportunities marissa you gotta jump on it and especially with you as an entrepreneur and your business is successful but then now new clientele means more opportunities more uh everything so that's 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 fantastic and you also have a book as well right marissa
4: Yes, well, I have a bunch of books that are available on Amazon.com, but I had recently was approached by a wonderful woman. Her name is Montre Adams, and the book is called Just Do Your Dream. I had gone to performing arts high school, which many people don't know, and so acting and singing and musical theater was always a love of mine. But then real life sets in, unfortunately, and I went to pursuit of medicine, but I always missed and wished all the acting classes and the experience I had. So about 10 or so years ago, I started doing modeling again and acting again, and this woman decided to put me in her book. It's about reliving your dreams again, and she has a whole chapter on me and my acting career. And again, it's going to be um, in the bookstores very soon right now. I believe she has an online edition. And from there, I've been doing a lot of public speaking about people fulfilling their dreams. And I've had a lot of local bookstores have asked me to speak to other people about when you were a child and you wanted to do something. And unfortunately, real life gets in the way. Life is short. This is not a dress rehearsal. And it's wonderful if you can go back to your first love, which was for me was acting and performance.
0: And so your son's doing it and you're doing it as well, which is cool. And you like and- yeah.
4: My husband is getting into it, too. The two of them were just um, filming this weekend for um, New York University, and they're both going to be in, in some of their films, which are going to be in some of the Long Island and the Manhattan Film Festival. So now my husband's getting into the picture, too. And that's all because of Bravo. I think he loved the cameras. He had such a great time.
0: And so being on the set, he's like, I- I'm-, I'm into this as well. And he never did acting yeah. before, right? right? No. He yeah,
4: met. he was a yeah, he said, "Lights, camera, action!" I love it. Count me in.
0: <laughs> well, <and laughs> you, and what are your goals for your son? Do you think he's going to be a great actor? Do you think he can get an opportunity? Yeah,
4: yeah. My son this this past weekend he did two short films. He gets tons of phone calls. He is in kindergarten, so we don't want him to miss too much school. But he actually loves it, and when he's on the set. A lot of the directors will approach me, and they cannot get over his memorization skills. And he's a beautiful little boy, and he actually loves it. They've they've spoken to him and said, are you here because your mother wants you to be here? He said, no, I love it. In fact, if I have a Skype interview, and he doesn't, he gets upset. And he tells the person on the screen, what about me? I want you to interview me. So the next thing you know, they're... Going to write him a role because I love him so much. So I definitely think he has the gift, which is wonderful. Let him enjoy his life.
0: Do you ever see him, uh, you guys, going to L.A.? Because that's the next step, right? <laughs>
4: well, after the show aired, yes. I got a lot of Twitter responses from a lot of production people and managers and agents telling us to come out to L.A. for a few auditions and tapings. We never made it out there. But when but when we do go, I do have a lot of people to contact. They fell in love with him. Well, they he, really did.
0: He's got a look at Disney and Nickelodeon. I had a star. from Oh yes, yes. Had, if you have I, any
4: contacts, call me
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I I have connections to different people. I just interviewed uh, uh, a star from Bella and the Bulldogs today. So so I she uh, the show's on Nickelodeon is pretty. Uh, Popular show Haley uh, Chu so uh, it's interesting all the different things. But these kids, what they basically get hooked up was Disney, and then also uh, get hooked up with Nickelodeon, and then they get the deals with ABC after that. How it works. So I think ultimately, I know you're you maybe have to expand your business to LA. I think it's the next step. Okay. Say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow,
3: that's okay.
4: I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> I have a lot of contact out there. I'll go. I'll sleep
0: on the beach. I don't mind. So- well, that, that's that's the fun part about all this and, and kind of talking about your parenting, not from the show per se, but your parenting that really, truly makes you with your son and especially, you know, having him, you know, doing the, the, uh, the acting.
4: I, yeah, yeah, I just, when he shines, I shine, I shine. I can't even express to you how much I adore and love this little boy. Wherever I go, when I'm in his kindergarten class and they'll have and they'll ask me to read for the class and I bring in treats, the teachers always say to me, "You're such a good mother." I just connect with the kids. If I was going to do this all over again, I actually spoke to his to his teacher yesterday, I would have been a kindergarten teacher. I can't tell you how much I love the kids. I love to make him smile. I love to tickle him. I love to make him laugh. The problem is he knows it. So he knows how to manipulate me. It's my husband that is really the strict one in the house, but it's bad because I'm very old school. I tend to say to him, wait until your father comes home, which I know is the worst thing to say because then he walks all over me. But it's a pattern that I think my mother used to say, just wait until your father comes home. So he's sort of scared of my husband, me. He knows he owns my heart and he can do whatever he wants.
0: Well, that's 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 important, and and, and definitely uh, people can check out still your experience when you did this for sure as well by like s- searching different things from your experience on Bravo's show for people. Out yes, there. of course. Yeah.
4: And then people can always contact me. I do um, a lot of local speaking about parenting, and all the parents here know me, and they know who I am. We're invited to all the parties, and my son has loads of friends. People can always contact me at my website, which is bodybysilver.com, or they can email me through my website, drsilver at bodybysilver.com. And I'm always available to speak to others about parenting, exercise, nutrition, wellness coaches. I have loads of degrees, and I don't mind using them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you're enjoying this, and keep the ride going. Uh, And I'm sure you're looking at other projects that you can't say that are happening that could possibly happen. So uh, best of luck in all those ventures. And let me know specifically when any new news comes, especially about your son or different things. But I would really make that call to really start trying to do a lot more – New York's a good place to do acting, but ultimately got to go to LA, but uh, make those yeah. connections and and spend some time in LA because that's where he's going to get the best chances and, and the acting classes and really to be in LA is the way to make it for sure. But, uh, best, uh, thanks for calling again, Marissa and best of luck to you.
4: Thank you. All
0: right. Take care. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You listen Bye. to the Total Celebrity Show and we'll be back in just a moment.